Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 55 of the Get Around Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Summers. Beside me, not as always. Nowhere near as always, but I'm happy to be back. Seven and four is Harrison Beebe, and as always. He's always here in spirit. James Cook. Ooh, very Halloween-y of you. Except for when we once in a while forget to mention him. Once in a while. I don't take it too personally, though, because... Are you sure? After a while, it gets hard to find a good way to reference me in an hour-long podcast. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I know we're not national broadcasters on this on this podcast by any means. I mean, maybe someday, who knows? But you know, St. Francis on Saturday, they, I think they may have had Marv Albert up in the booth at Thurlby on Saturday night. You know, so St. Francis is definitely going to have to come out and uh, either hold them down. Now I'm not sure. I don't know the, the gentleman's name. I know he, he was calling the game for Bob FM 104.5, but he does, he does sound a lot. Shockingly, shockingly similar to Marv Albert and his NBA. And, and it, does he do NFL? I don't think more. Albert does, no. Does he just do NBA? I mean, he, he, he does movies with LeBron, right? He was in uh, uh, Trainwreck, yeah. wasn't yeah, he? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, he's one of the voices of sports, it seems. I Absolutely. Guess now he's just down there, but you just think of him for so many iconic calls, and, you know, apparently in his free time, he lends his voice to high school playoffs. So so we'll, we'll try to be as good as our local Marv Albert. We've got a great show lined up for you today. Volleyball districts kicked off on Monday, uh, just moments virtually after recording this podcast you know so obviously we we won't have those pre-district first round results but we will get into some discussion about what's to come as the volleyball season is finally into the postseason we'll have a couple of kingsley football players in the studio later in the show stags ian souza dylan case we're not completely clear on who's going to show up uh today uh, could but be the whole team. but it it could be. I mean, maybe Wars going to lead him in here, all geared up and ready to go. I don't know. You know, he probably he he might he might have uh, said that the opposing team was digging up their logo in the get around podcast. I don't know. In that case, they'd be down here within seconds. But uh, it, yeah, the Stags had a big playoff win on Friday night over Tawas. Uh, we'll get into that later as well as we dive into the bulletin board afterwards. Central and West obviously go down. Uh, six of our local teams moved on to the next round. Leland Soccer playing in a state semifinal on Wednesday. We've got a cross-country regional wrap-up. Those took place on Saturday. State finals coming up this Saturday, November 3rd. And Harrison, BB, I know those are near and dear to your heart. Yeah, do you want field conditions reports? Because uh, I know I'm at the it? back of my hand. Yeah. I mean, I saw you, you posted on Twitter the other day that old uh, championship. Or, Regional uh, championships, 2003. Yeah. yeah. So just wanted to bring back those memories. We could have slid you right into that lineup now. and We could just go back in time and pretend <laughs> I'm on the, the Traverse City Central Cross Country team. and yeah. I mean, could you keep, could you keep up with those guys right now? Uh, not the really good ones, no. I was usually number three or four on the team, so like the mid sixteens, which is good. Hey, you were counting, man. It's oh yeah, I was counting. I was counting as a freshman in some races, Ooh. but uh, not not uh, not good enough to be all state or anything. That's for sure. Then we've got the get around Hall of Fame, the trifecta. We bring it back. It was absent for a week, but I promise we'll get back into that, and then we'll let you get on your merry way. But let's check the heartbeat of the sports world. And get into the pulse. Volleyball districts kick off today. That's Monday. And I'm just going to cut right to it, guys. Is it a foregone conclusion that Leland gets to the Final Four this year after after falling short last year? Yep. 
<laughs> Next topic. <laughs> See, that's what I get for uh, for using an open-ended question. Well, I think there are two <laughs> things going for Leland this year. One being is they're number one ranked in, in Division Four, and I can't remember, James, you and I have been working sports up here a long time. I can't remember the last time they were number one, either Battle Creek, St. Philip, or somebody else was, was always in front of them, so they were two or three. So it was right there, really not a big difference. But the, the committee is convinced they are the number one team right now in the postseason, so that's in their favor. And the fact that last year they didn't get to the semifinals in Battle Creek, I'm sure that bothered head coach Lori Glass a little and the girls that are coming back. Uh, Which I'm is sure all of them except one. Rowan Wilson was the only mm-hmm. senior on that team a year ago. So Yeah, don't think that that's not standing out in their heads. A loss to Roger City in the regional last year, uh, denying them what they think is probably their, their rightfully theirs is a trip to Battle Creek every year and uh, contending for that Division Four state title. So those two reasons alone, I, I'm 99.9% sure I'll be heading down to Battle Creek uh, in a couple weeks. Yeah, no, it'll probably spoil my deer hunting again, maybe. Uh, but you'll, just you'll have to right. get on Lori about that a little bit. I mean, you would think at this point she'd carry enough influence to like you know change the dates of state volleyball, right? I mean, she does have a lot of sway with. They're the, indoors. You can play them into December. Yeah. Yeah, let's just. Or if you keep, want to test the toughest, let's teams, just keep the regular the, the regular season rolling right maybe now. We'll, just, well, Jake's kind of taking the volleyball reins, so maybe maybe we'll send Jake down there for that. I feel like somehow Jake has been getting out of the office a lot more than either of us lately. I mean, it maybe was the opposite a little bit at the beginning of football season, but now I feel like... He's one of the people. He, he's covering everything, and we're stuck in the stuck in the office. Um, Harrison, you kind of brought it up that Leland was eliminated sooner than usual. They really weren't the only ones. I mean, last year, we lost Kingsley. We lost St. Francis. We lost Leland all early round exits that kind of... But the difference is Leland is there every year. Whereas those other teams, St. Francis I know won a couple of years back. Uh, Kingsley hasn't been there in the last several years. Uh, Cadillac's another area team that's kind of on again, off again. Uh, they were there two years ago, missed it last year. So, uh, you know, kind of foreshadowing our, our discussion of maybe Cadillac and Kingsley down the road here. But Leland is the only one that has consistently been there year after year, and nobody can seem to get in their way until Roger City did a year ago. So I, I, I can't imagine much better bulletin board material than the fact that they didn't go there. Well, I know that North, you know, the definition of Northern Michigan varies from organization to organization. You're area is a, a little wider a, a bit wider <laughs> than the record eagles but when we're talking about these teams James does it seem like we are going to have a little bit more of a return of northern michigan teams making deeper runs when compared to last year yeah i think so i mean you know the other team that says more of harrison's area than ours that somewhat makes a regular run is onaway um they've been in the final four a couple times over the last decade but yeah i mean i think i think leland's going to be right back in there i think you know Kingsley's probably going to breeze through districts, I would think. And Which then, we can't we can't say that for the last several years. Yeah, because yeah, they've always had Cadillac to run into. You know they'll get Cadillac in regionals theoretically, and a matchup in in regionals is is different than than meeting them right away in. Which is appropriate for them because they're two of the better teams every year. So last year, I remember, I was in the studio recording with you guys, and I ran out and covered their first round game. So I think I did this show last year this week. And what a difference a year makes. Now they're appropriately 
uh, lining up to meet each other in the regional final with the winner going on to the final week of the season, which is something Kingsley hasn't done in a while, and I'm sure those girls are hungry to do that, but they got to get that, that Cadillac monkey off their back, and they'll get that opportunity next week, presumably. It's so much better, though, to have that opportunity or the idea of that opportunity in regionals. When that's the first round matchup, I feel like that places a lot more pressure, and in these last few instances, particularly on Kingsley, because Cadillac has been that team that they can't beat, and then to have to beat them in the first round when you've had how many 50-win seasons back-to-back, but then that doesn't mean anything because there's no seeding, MHSA. It was kind of like Manton and Glen Lake in boys basketball this year. Yes. We, a lot of people figured the winning team in that matchup was going to go to the Final Four, and sure enough, Glen Lake got all the way to the title game. But uh, the way they shake out, sometimes you get them early. This year, uh, if those two teams happen to win out, we'll get it a little later. Yeah, Kingsley, now I, I talked to Dave Hall this weekend. You know They're sitting at 46 wins, so if they have an, a nice run here in the tournament, they can hit that 50 mark again. And you know, we, we mentioned their their regional being a bit easier. They'll start off against Grayling, and then the other teams in that district are Boyne City, Sault Ste. Marie, Sheboygan, and Kalkaska. And I just, I mean... There's games there, but uh, is there an upset there? We don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think anything less than a, an absolute disaster that, I, gosh, I would think Kingsley comes out of that pretty easily. They're going to have to win three games to win their district. Right? Correct. So that would put them at 49. And they do have to travel up to Boyne facing City. Facing Cadillac home. in the regional. Would it facing w- Cadillac to go for 50. I like, I like that matchup a lot better. <laughs> you know, you, you've, you've established yourself in the postseason. You've got a few of those wins under your belt before you have to take on the, the boogeyman that has been for the Stags. And, you know, at that point it feels like, yeah, best team wins should move on. When it's an early round matchup like that, it's like, you don't want either team to lose, but in this case, you can just root for a really good match. Before we jump off of that topic, do you guys think they can beat Cadillac if it comes down to that? I, I think so. I mean, uh, I don't think Cadillac was, is, has been quite as dominant this season as they were maybe the last couple. Um, they're still a very good team. Um, but I think Kingsley just seems to have a lot more pieces than, than in the last two years. The last couple years, you know, they had... You know, some veteran players, they had Jessica Leffler, uh, you know, but, but players like, you know, Brittany Bowman, uh, Byes, you know, Austin DeWeese are just much bigger pieces of that team, and they've all played together for a couple of seasons now. And uh, I just think that this is kind of the, the time for them. But yeah, the, the, if they're healthy, I think it lines up really well. Um, obviously, Cadillacs battle-tested themselves, being in a, a tough Big North Conference this year where they had good teams like TC Central, TC West, Cadillac, or, I mean, Petoskey to deal with. Um, but, you know, Kingsley plays the teams like Leland and, and other, and they play in the ABCD quad that, that gets them ready for tough matchups as well. So, I, I mean, this is the one we all want, mm-hmm. so hopefully next Thursday it's the one that kind of ends up on the table. And, right. they, and they went downstate a, lot, a little bit more this year too, early in the season. You know, went to some downstate tournaments and, uh, and did pretty well there. You know, they went to some Class A tournaments. 
Yeah, so I think they're, they're one, more James. battle-tested. Division one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Harrison, Harrison, you did, uh, you, you did nail one thing on the head there. You said, if healthy, and that is a bit of a concern, for me at least. You know, they had some at, injuries. They have. Year. You know, Jessica Leffler, I think she's healthy now. Uh, she got banged up a little bit early in a match against Leland uh, and has since come back and played really well. But their setter, Maddie Byes, has been out. Uh, for a significant portion of the second half of this season. And Austin DeWeese, who, you know, there really may not be a bigger net presence defensively in northern Michigan. And, and she's been hurt and has not been playing every match. So, you know, how how that shakes out, I think, you know, more than Dave Hall and the Stags would like, I think that could really impact Kingsley's run, depending on how well those girls are feeling. And and with all those injuries, they still won forty six matches. Yeah, yeah, they're I mean, deep. They're a deep team. But I mean, they've they've played several JV players some pretty significant uh, time, and hey, they've stepped up, and I think that that bodes well for them in the future. You know, when some of these uber talented players finally graduate, uh, but no doubt uh, Kingsley is one of those teams that we're all going to have our eyes on as the season wraps up. The game that's taking place, as I mentioned, moments after the recording of this podcast is Elk Rapids-St. Francis. Now, that's a pretty good first-round matchup, one that you probably don't want to have to play in the first round. They split during the regular season. If Elk Rapids wins, you know, since we don't know who's going to win this matchup, if Elk Rapids wins, what's their ceiling? And if St. Francis wins, what is their ceiling? I think they're both teams that could... That if you know if they get by that other team in that district, can make a bit of a run. Um, you know, I mean, Elk Rapids won the first matchup between them to to kind of claim the Lake Michigan Conference regular season title, I guess. And then St. Francis got them back in the in the Lake Michigan Conference tournament um, to win the tournament title. So there, it, that's definitely going to be a very interesting match. You know, kind of the rubber match in that series. But whichever one survives that, I think is in pretty decent shape to. To go on and, and win some more matches and, and keep going for, I don't, I'm not going to say Final Four or anything like that, but both of them have pretty good talent that can, uh, that can carry them away. Yeah, the winner of that, I mean, North Bay is the host, and they're a pretty competitive team as well, but the, the winner of that Elk Rapids-St. Francis matchup looks like the, the district is there, and then it kind of depends who you got in that region. There's a lot in, in Division Three which we used to be Class C. They, they have a lot of teams stretched out in that region. I think it's at Houghton Lake. So you got to do some, some traveling to get to that one. So um, you never know for sure which team's going to go in there. And uh, But, hey, you, all as the girls will say, you play them one game at a time. The last district that I wanted to bring up before we move on a little bit, I'll just call it the, the Big North plus Marquette district because you've got the entire BNC. Can we get Marquette in the Big North? Like, let's just figure that out, and then they can always come down here. And I don't think anybody <laughs> wants to be obligated to make that road trip every year. Well, when I was in the conference 15 years ago, Sault Ste. Marie and Sheboygan were in the conference with us, and I never made a trip to Sault Ste. Marie. So. But that was also cross-country where not everybody even gets a home meet every year. Volleyball, I mean... Well, between track and cross-country, you figured after four years I would have gone up there for something. We went to Sheboygan a few times, went to Alpena a few times, but never the Sioux. Fair enough. But, I mean, look, <laughs> looking at that, which... You know, who who has the most to prove or the most to gain going into next season? Because I'm not really sure that even the district champion of this, I don't, I'm not sure there's much of a road there beyond that. But 
looking to the future, you know, who, who can get the most out of this district and perhaps out of a district championship? I've seen Petoskey play a couple times. They split the conference with Cadillac this year, and the Northmen are tall, impressive, athletic. Uh, you know, they've definitely made history uh, for that program this year, and, and no doubt a district title adding to that would kind of help keep them going. All those teams are kind of taking advantage of a, a slight down year for Traverse City West. They're usually kind of the dictators of the conference and the and that district. And now Petoskey appears to be that team that has the chance to, to make it their own. And uh, I, honestly, I like the potential of them, seeing them go through the district and then the potential for them to upset a few teams down the road. You, the interesting thing about this district, James, and I, whether it's volleyball or basketball, it doesn't seem like this one ever plays out the way it's seeded. So who's who's an underdog that you look at like as I as I was asking that you know can make the most of this opportunity and use it to build their program? Yeah, I mean I don't know a whole lot about Marquette, but uh, but the big North teams around here, um, you know, at TC Central can, can you know they can beat anybody. I think when when they have their game on, Maggie McCrary is one of the better uh, middle blockers and outside hitters around here. Um, she can definitely change a game. Uh, Megan Culp at Petoskey is you know an exceptional athlete. You know she's going to Hillsdale to to play college volleyball. So uh, and you know McCrary's going to uh, Miami, Ohio. Yeah, Miami, Ohio, along with Miami Mirabelli. So uh, you know there's there's a couple of really good top talents in this district that uh, that could really kind of point to who's going to win this district uh, depending on who's on that day. But I mean, I, but you know TC Central made the whole Big North Conference kind of a lot closer yeah. and more interesting than in past years because, like you said. TC West typically kind of TC West and Cadillac was pretty much about it, and you know Central Petoskey have been competitive this year and, and made the whole league conference schedule. It was fun. Um, the Big North volleyball. Yeah, it, it schedule, was a bit of a guessing game. Years past, it was kind of interesting to go every week, whether in a Traverse City gym or a Petoskey gym or a Cadillac mm-hmm. gym. You didn't really necessarily know who was going to win. I mean, last week West played Cadillac, took the first game against them. Uh, our main anchor Kristen Lowe, she's a big volleyball player from back in the day. She went to shoot the game, and I told her later that. At Cadillac won, she was a bit surprised because West won a close first game, and she figured that was a lot of momentum for them. But, you know, you're getting the playoffs. Let's find out. Maybe there is an upset in there. Mm-hmm. The Pulse brought to you by Jimmy John's. Two locations in Traverse City. Freaky Fresh, Freaky Fast, Jimmy John's, Freak Yeah. I would like to welcome into the Get Around Podcast studio Kingsley football players Ian Sousa and Dylan Case. Thank you guys for driving after practice appreciate it no problem all right so you guys are fresh off the big win on friday first kingsley playoff win since 2005 what was that feeling like the static yeah that's the only words to describe it so i want to go back to the beginning of the season i talked to coach war just i think it was two days after that first practice and he kind of told me that that w- in his 20-some years of coaching, the first practice was literally the worst one he had ever seen. So, one, how bad was it? And two, how do you get from there to where you guys are right now at 9-1 and one and ready to host Beaverton in Week 11? Well, that, that first practice, I think, on a scale of 1 to 10, would be a solid 1. <laughs> but um, <laughs> to get to that point, I think it took a lot of discipline in listening to Coach. He always talks about us buying into what he wants us to do, and I think we did that this year. We had a lot of hard work from our coaches. They put in a lot of work for us, and we put it right back out for them. And I think that's how we got it here. 
Now, Dylan, I, I spoke to you over the phone. I hadn't met you till tonight. But I, I spoke to you for a story that I did on Coach Wurr's return because, of course, he, he won a state title in Kingsley in 2005 before going to Traverse City West. And uh, you told me the story about you guys went down to camp to see Bengals practice, one of Tim's former players, Jake Fisher. Uh, and, and you took a video copy of that state championship game with you down there and watched it in the hotel room. I know you told me back then, and it was kind of in that story, but just, you know, what, what made you pull that, that video out and take it down there to share with your teammates? Just to envision, like, what we wanted to get to eventually. We weren't sure if we would actually be able to get there this season, but it gave us a picture of what we had to do and what the hard work would be like. Now, obviously, there's a lot of steps between where you guys are now and, you know, looking down the road that far. But, I mean, did you – at what point did you start to buy in and believe – that you guys could even get to this point because obviously a one and eight season last year, this turnaround is kind of incredible. I think that we caused that with Hanson Camp because um, after that we learned what the coaches wanted, how practice was going to be, and what we were going to have to do to get things done. And our coaches are all, all of them, every last one of them is a no nonsense, no screw around, pay attention all the time, get things done kind kind of person. So. Um, with that, I think that, uh, yeah, after Hanson Camp, that's when we really thought, okay, we can do something here with these coaches, this leadership that we have. Did it take a little bit of an adjustment period to get used to those guys? I mean, what, what was the biggest challenge or the biggest difference in what all the new stuff was about? I think it's more a focus kind of, from a st- focus kind of standpoint. We, last year at practices, it would be more of a – Let's do the. It was the same schedule every day. Now it's kind of like, what do we need to do to prepare to prepare for this specific team, and how can we do that in the best way possible, most efficient way possible? Dylan, what's been the best part about that transition? The, you know, where when did the fun first start to come about with all those changes? I think the fun really started after that McBain game. After we got, we actually saw that something could happen here, and first win. We only had one last year. And we saw that it would things were actually coming together after we put in the hard work, and here we are now. I kind of feel like your coach, Tim Orr, slow played me a little bit. Because when I did that interview with him at the beginning of the year, he's like, you know, I don't know if we can catch up to Glen Lake. I don't know if we can catch up to McBain. Uh, but you guys have handled that, that schedule pretty darn well. You know, the only loss on the record is to St. Francis. Did you feel the belief from the coaching staff in what you guys could accomplish right away? I mean, did you did they have you believing you could win those games before the schedule arrived, or or was it not until you got into those games that you realized you could compete? I think it was from the start when we started zero hour last. What was it? December. December. They told us that if we put in the work, that we would have a chance to do something great, and we bought in then. And they told us from right from the start. So he was slow playing you. <laughs> he has a tendency to do that. Yeah, he does. Classic word. You mentioned zero hour. Ian, I've seen the pictures of the, the new Kingsley weight room. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know who runs the Kingsley Twitter account, but I told him I want to come work out there at some <laughs> point. But, I mean, what was... Just something like that, you know, the new addition to the program, the the upgrade, I guess, in terms of just helping create the mindset that you guys needed and, and the, you know, to attack the weight room. Because I, I 
I know I had it in the story. I can't remember, but it was something like what forty plus guys made every single weights and conditioning over the course of the summer. Mm-hmm. That's that's crazy attendance. Yeah, I think it was the pressure from coach to for us to be better because he knows what we can do when we put our minds to it, and I think that's what we the point we got to this year with that. So Dylan, who's the? I think I might know the answer, but who's the monster in the weight room for you guys? Me. You? Yeah. All right. Well, one other name I heard, I, th- I think, is Nate Ames pretty pretty good in the weight room, too? Yeah, he's a strong kid. Okay, so you guys go head-to-head a little bit? Uh, he's not that close to me yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your what's your lift of choice? Uh, I enjoy squatting a lot. Uh, I'm always broken the school squat record and working hard at it. Okay, almost. So what is the, I know you know what the school record is. How how far off of it are you? Uh, last time I had a rep max of 505, and the school record is actually 500, but I haven't went for the full one rep yet because it takes a lot of time to get to complete one rep. Gotcha. Okay. So from your point of view, teammate's point of view, how impressive is this guy? Um, when I was watching a rep max for – for that time, I was everyone was yelling, everyone's clapping their hands. It was it was an amazing atmosphere, but uh, I think it's I think it's key to what we've got done this year is our weight in the our work in the weight room. And how much has that um, transitioned over to the to the football field? You guys just go for two all the time, and you've had just an amazing string of converting two point conversions. Is is that strength really come out in that because you just we got to get three yards. Mm-hmm. We get we have to get this to get these two points, and those two points could come come really important later because teams usually go for the field goal, but um, with us that's not the case. Do you guys have a kicker, or do you guys just go for two points? <laughs> you don't have a we have yes, we have a kicker. I mean, I know We're you have good. a kicker, but I mean, do you get is that is kicking extra points an option for you guys, or are you just so that confident in going for two that you're just like? We yeah, we are very capable of kicking every time, but we choose we elect to go every. For, for it every time. So who, who's your kicker? Uh, Colin Graham. He is a senior, and we have Payson Caballero, who's a junior. Okay, so, I mean, those guys, they get a little salty that they don't ever get to run out there and put points on the board. I haven't heard him complain. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's jump to uh, this last game against Tawas. Were there any nerves in, in that situation, being that the playoff scenario was new? I mean, obviously you guys were getting the the home game at Rhodes Field that had to make you feel a little more comfortable, but, you know, was there some nervousness leading into that game, Dylan? Uh, I don't really think there's a lot of nerves. I think we proved ourselves throughout the season after the only team that could stop us was St. Francis, and I don't know. I don't think I had nerves. I don't think most of the seniors had nerves. We were just confident, and we know what we had to do. We knew if we played our game that we could get stuff done. So I know something that James touched on in his story, you know, the fact that you guys had heard that maybe Tawas uh, took to your midfield logo before the game. Any Anything more come out about that story, or who who told you about it, and how how did that get you guys fired up? Uh, Coach Ward told us that when we were at the high school right after school, and when we went down onto the field and the captains came up to shake hands, you could definitely see that they did it, and people don't come into Rhodes Field and disrespect it. Doesn't happen. So I mean, I'm 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 imagining that you guys are pretty up for that game already. How how much does something like that add to, you know, that intensity level? Im- immensely. I mean, this is the this is the first. It was the first game between Kingsley and Tawas in history, and they come and do that. I don't really think that was a really respectful thing to do or sportsmanlike thing to do. I don't know if their coaches told them to do it. I I don't want to assume anything, but they it was done. 
and that's it doesn't happen. So how much sweeter did that make what you guys did to them Friday night? Because was it fifty six to six at halftime or? Something like that. It, you guys were in the 50s <laughs> by halftime. Yeah, I mean, how'd, that, like, how'd that feel? Amazing. It was, It was. I think, I don't know if it would have felt much better if they hadn't done that because it was a playoff game, but that definitely added to the uh, to the hype of it. Yeah, I mean, you guys went down and scored, I think, on your f- the first five times. Mm-hmm. I don't think you punted in the first half. Mm-hmm. You didn't punt until, you the, didn't punt until the backups were in yeah. in the second half. All our JVs got their varsity letter, so... That's awesome. <laughs> and they didn't even have jerseys that matched. No. <laughs> so you guys have the first postseason win out of the way now. Does that does that normalize things at all this week as you prepare for Beaverton? Uh, yeah, I think it does. We are practices are like settled down now. It's we know what we expect. We know how it's going to be ecstatic coming in there. We know the intensity level, of the playoffs, and we just know what we have to do again. You guys said you watched some video, some tape of them. Uh, what, what do you guys see from them? Uh, they're really big, look physical, look well-disciplined, but if we do what we have to do, should come out there and be a great game. Mm-hmm. Now, I know, well, the last thing that uh, Coach Wur wants us to do is to have you guys look ahead at all, and I'm not going to try to do that too much, but being you guys have played St. Francis already, we can apply this to this game against Beaverton as well as a potential matchup with St. Francis in the following round. How much has this team grown since that week four loss to St. Francis? And what makes you feel like you can continue this success beyond the next two weeks? I think we've grown tremendously since then. Uh, on our like on the fine points, we've become very, we're down to a point, we're down to a T, we know what we have to do. We've come, we've became a lot more disciplined on defense and on offense, and yeah, we just don't make a lot of more a lot of mistakes anymore. And I think our growth is through the roof. Yeah, our growth was immense. I think that to this Friday, I think as long as we don't shoot ourselves in the foot, I think we should be well off, and I think it'll be a, a hell of a ball game. What what um what video was it you watched from Beaverton? Was it when they played Glen Lake? So you could kind of draw more of a direct comparison because you guys have played Glen Lake as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, and they I don't I forget what the score was, but it wasn't far from ours. Forty two forty two twenty one I think it was. Okay, okay, so. All right, yeah, it was pretty that's pretty close to ours, but um, I think yeah again we play our game and we should be well off. Well, so just going back to to that week four a little bit more, I mean. Obviously, nobody ever likes to lose, but what were you guys able to take from that game and the loss to St. Francis and apply towards you know the rest of this season? Uh, I think we picked up a lot of areas where like we'd come not like we wouldn't be disciplined, and we saw like during what plays that they ran that we'd make mistakes or what things that we did that we'd make mistakes on our own, and I could just helped us to figure out like what we had to work on. I think it was a first-hand view of what playing undisciplined turns out to be on it, our part. And you guys haven't repeated those mistakes, apparently. Mm-mm. As you've, well, it would be what now? Six wins in a row since that loss. When you guys look back at your own tape, I mean, how, how clean of play have you guys felt like you've been putting forth you know, where where have there still been things that you felt like you could improve on? 
Of course, it's not perfect, but I think we've definitely fine-tuned things down to, like, what, what fir- what's our first step going to be like? Or uh, what side's my head going to be on when we're blocking? Or how am I going to stab when I'm going on a route? Things like that. Just just to find things that will make a, dip- a huge difference in games down in November. How difficult was it last year with all yeah, with all the coaching issues going on? So you, you, know, you had different coaches from one week to another in the middle of the season. How, how difficult was that for you guys in that year? Obviously, it affected things on the field being one and eight it felt that whole year felt rather haphazard I mean no disrespect to those coaches but I mean that's what happens when we can't get our coaching in in order mm-hmm. I think after coach Mullen got in it kind of turned around it made us I think our players trusted them yeah. trusted him and it made us turn around and we worked harder I think and he gave us his trust, and we trusted him in return. And we still didn't get a win from that until the last game, but it made the difference with him. Just how much, how much of a figure is Coach Wooer in Kingsley? Uh, he's a pretty big figure. Uh, football is huge in Kingsley, and it hasn't. We haven't been delivering in the past few years, and now it is, and it's to talk the town again. I've heard him described as a man who can walk on water by someone who really respects him. But <laughs> I, he's one of my favorite coaches, one of the favorite coaches I've ever had before. So he can definitely deliver. What's, what's it like within the Kingsley community right now? I mean, when you drive through town or see people around town, I mean, you feel like they're talking about the football team? Or what's the atmosphere like in Kingsley? Sometimes you just walk into the store, and if it's something like you don't know, or, hey, you're on the football team, right? Yeah. And good luck on Friday. Yeah, good luck on Friday. Uh, after games, we'll be walking back to the school, and it'll be honking, and people be screaming out their windows or out their cars, and it's amazing. All right, so obviously you guys have, I mean, been putting in the work, you and your teammates, ever since the end of last year to get ready for this season. But when you're not preparing for a game on Friday or you're not in the weight room, you know, th- throughout the off season, you know, what do you what are you guys doing? Is, is the team as a whole hanging out a lot together? What do you do for fun? What's the you know, what what are you doing that isn't football related? Well, a lot of us guys in the team play different sports as well. Like personally, I play track and ho- I mean I run track and play hockey. So, um I think a lot of us stick with sports most of the time. I think that's the biggest thing is we're always together in sports. There's not a lot of off time except on the weekends, and that's sleep, recover <laughs> from the uh, week and all the sports. And lifting is my go-to. Evidently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> More than once a day? <laughs> uh, if I can. I love lifting. I'm right there with you. So earlier this year, uh, we did our local fantasy football draft on this podcast i can't recall what episode number it was exactly but uh ian i selected you as the my tight end so why did i make a good pick there Uh, (laughs) 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 i don't know what to say i'm rather humble i don't know what to say about myself all right dylan did i make a good pick yeah you made a great pick what does he deliver from that position on the offensive side of the ball? A tight end, good blocks, good routes, catches. Most of the time he's throwing to, <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> and 
doesn't really commit fouls or penalties. Well disciplined. Does what he has to do. All right, that's what I like to hear. Okay. Tyler was what five for six last Friday. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I think the one drop was to you, wasn't it? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I got a touchdown after that, so I made it up. That's true. You got that. You got and you caught a two point conversion. There we go. All right, I'm I'm happy with my pick. I just wanted to throw that out there. I didn't know if you guys had heard that episode a while back or not. But before we get you out of here, we're going to run through the wheelhouse, uh, which for <laughs> our Audible viewers, they know what that is. But if anybody new is listening, the wheelhouse, just five quick rapid-fire questions that we ask our interview guests uh, each week. And, uh, you know, they're pretty easy, simple things. Uh, I may ask you to elaborate a little bit. But let's, uh, let's have some fun. So, okay, first one, as I was just kind of having this argument with somebody earlier today, so it inspired my first question. Thick or thin crust on your pizza? I like thin crust. Thick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so where do you go if you're getting pizza? PGO's. Okay, right, PGO's. And where are you going, Dylan? Uh, there's not a lot of places around here that have good thin crust. I hear you. I like Filling Station. Uh, they've got some good thin crust. That's... Uh, that's what I like. Okay, so if you're traveling somewhere, back roads or highway? I'm a highway driver. I love getting there and getting there fast. I love riding the back roads. <laughs> All right, I like this. <laughs> Best advice you've ever been given? Don't love, don't ever let anyone tell you you can't do something. i got to agree with that one. All right. Uh, favorite movie? Unbroken. American Sniper. Mm, okay, I've seen one of the two. Help me out a little bit with Unbroken. Unbroken's about an American Olympian who is in the Marines, I believe. And he's in, he goes to Okinawa, I want to say, or somewhere in that area, and is taken prisoner, like a uh, prisoner of war by Japanese, and then ends up fighting his way after like being beaten and tortured by a guy in concentration camp and comes back to America after he won the gold medal before and it's pretty much the story. All right, I'm going to have to check. Have you seen that one, James? I've heard of it, but I've not seen it. Okay. I've seen American Sniper. I'm going to have to check out Unbroken. And then just best thing about Kingsley, the, the people. All Which right. kind of goes hand in hand, but the people and the tradition. Very edges. Very good. Yeah. Very good answers. <laughs> All right, guys, we appreciate you for joining episode 55 of the Get Around Podcast. Good luck next week against Beaverton. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming in. A big thank you to Kingsley Football's Dylan Case, Ian Souza, for joining episode 55 of the Get Around Podcast. We really appreciate it and wish them best of luck in the second round of the postseason when they take on Beaverton at Rhodes Field. Okay, guys, let's jump into the bulletin board. We're going to be a little more all over the place uh, in this segment with all the different sports in the postseason going on right now. Not to uh, bring the show down, but let's, uh, let's talk about who isn't there anymore Specifically, Traverse City West and Traverse City Central each uh, handed tough losses in the opening round of the postseason. Both games played at Thoroughby Field. James, that a surprise to you that one of them didn't get by in the first round at least? Yeah, I mean, I thought both of them had decent shots. They played like it. (laughs) 
Well, I mean, they had, they played well enough to get home games. They played, you know, they were hosting, you know, old Kent Conference teams. I, you know, I, this weekend was just much more of a bloodbath than I thought it was going to be for teams from around <laughs> Another here. Another Halloween reference. This is great. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got what? We had we have what, six fi- teams we had, left. We yeah, we had fif- sixteen. We had fifteen games with local teams in them, and we have six teams left. I, I thought it was three eleven man, three eight player teams. Yeah, especially the eight player or the, the eleven player teams. A lot more lost than I thought was, was going to Central and West. I mean, yeah, the Big North did not have a good weekend as a whole. <laughs> no, <laughs> no West, Central, Petoskey, Gaylord, and then the other two didn't make the playoffs. Central so. and West games weren't. To- I mean. I was at this game Saturday. Uh, Central kind of dictated pace in the first half, and then Genesis would match them, or then what they thought, and then it went ahead in the final moments of the half to, to take a short lead. And then they kind of pulled ahead in the second half, but Tobin and, the, and company just kind of hung in there for a while. I kept updating the score on Twitter when I was back at the office, and it looked like that, that was going to be a game that was going to come down to a wire, but Jenison just appeared to have a little extra and, and managed to pull off that one. But they brought, I mean, I know you guys weren't there, the stands on the Jenison side were probably more full than the central side. When I rolled in, there were bus mounds of buses with Jenison on it. They brought their whole community up. It was their first playoff game in, I want to say, 15 years or something like that. Oh, I wow. forget the stat. So that community was pumped to see high school football postseason play, and, and they showed Jenison a lot of support. And I don't know if that was a factor at, at all in, in them kind of coming out on top with that support, but it definitely didn't hurt, let me tell you, that – ever since Central West. That's the most packed I've ever seen in that building. Well, James, we'll stick with West for a second or jump back to West, rather. Do you think, you know, the shadow of it being Rockford, did that play any effect, or was this just a case of Rockford being a very good 5-4 and four team and being rather well-suited to play the Titans? I mean, a, a bit of both. I mean, you know, you know with Rockford, you're always going to get a team that's good on defense. You're, you know, you're always going to get a team that's going to run the ball well and which is pretty much what west was this year and uh but you know i thought maybe this was the year that west could get that monkey off its back and and finally beat rockford you know for the first time in nine tries it's gonna happen eventually <laughs> it's it's got to we just don't know when maybe probably <laughs> but <laughs> but i mean you know this just seemed like the opportunity to do it you know you had rockford only five and four granted those those losses were all against pretty darn good teams, but you know West playing this game at home, I thought on a Friday night to open the playoffs just seemed like the opportunity was just there to to, to get this done and just kind of just get that out of the way. Well, the but, offensive issues kind of harmed them again this year because what it was twelve nothing with two plus minutes to go something like that. Yeah, they, they, eight, yeah, they got lead. down. Yeah, West got down early. For the whole, you know, 46 minutes of the game. And then uh, Dick Kuyper made a big pass play to his receiver that kind of set him up for a score. Or that might have been the score. <laughs> Calling the highlights. They scored with about two minutes left to go, went for that onside. And then Rockford didn't just sit on the onside. The guy floored down the field at 99 miles per hour to punch that go-ahead. So they took back momentum. West might have made it real interesting at that point, but Rockford quickly with that onside kick return for six. Uh, kind of put that one back way. West still again had the fight, another touchdown. Mm-hmm. The final West had another onside kick. So I, I commend the effort there. It just came up a, a few minutes too late, and the opportunity to really, you know, show Rockford there was a game there. I haven't been around long enough to really understand, you know, that rivalry, or I guess as some would say, lack thereof, being it's so one-sided uh, between Rockford and West. 
I was there for a good portion of that game. Jake Hatnip was covering for us, uh, but I had a few minutes uh, to run over there. And, you know, what I saw was kind of just a bad matchup for West because Rockford's defense was really solid. And normally where West would be able to move the ball, you know, using that wing T formation and just, you know, uh, misdirection and... Uh, multiple backs flowing. I mean, they they could not move running the ball. And West, I mean, they just didn't throw the ball all year long. I you know I don't know if uh, until they had to. Yeah, but but by then it was too late. Yeah, you know there were maybe there were opportunities during the regular season where West could have worked a little more passing game into their offense that would have benefited them in this game. But when they finally got to a game where they had to throw to be able to win. I just feel like the offense was kind of overmatched and not ready for that. I don't know the official number on how many passes Sam DeKuyper threw, but I think it was at least 20, if not more, which is leaps and bounds more than they averaged all season long. And when you're used to having three backs in the backfield turning around and handing off all season – and then all of a sudden in the playoff game with your season on the line, you're going five wide out of the shotgun with nobody in the backfield. It's a little different. It, it's a lot different, and I don't think that you know having to make that drastic of a change, and I do think they had to make it, that they weren't going to win running the ball against Rockford. I think that was pretty simple. So not saying they shouldn't have been throwing the way they were, I just think they weren't quite as prepared as they needed to be in order to win in that type of a situation. Central, on the other hand, and we actually talked about this in our postseason preview show last week, we thought they might be able to put some points on the board against Jenison. And if you and they did. <laughs> they sure did. And if you'd have told me they were going to score 43, roll up over 500 yards of offense, and still lose by over 20 points, there's no way I would have believed that, even for a second. But, again, I unfortunately wasn't able to cover Central like I usually do uh, during the during the season, with it being that night Saturday game, but it it really it came it came down to the same problems that plagued them in each of their losses, turnovers, and and this time it wasn't necessarily a slow start in the first half, it was turnovers after halftime. I think they had four in the third quarter or at least in the second half, three lost fumbles and an interception, and you just aren't gonna win. A competitive playoff game. Yeah, exactly. Doing that, doing that kind of thing. And I think it was week eight against Escanaba after they lost at home uh, against the Eskimos. You know, I, I was re- Mike Spencer did the story for us on recordeagle.com. And it was like I was reading the same exact quotes from Eric Sugars that he gave me after the loss to Escanaba. When you don't learn from your mistakes and you can't overcome the things that have bothered you at times during the season, the same result's going to happen. Well, and there was a lot of pressure probably on Central uh, the past few years, winning winning the pre-district with West two years ago, winning a pre-district on the road, and then winning the district championship against West at home last year. Uh, a lot of people looked at Central as probably you know one of those teams that could easily get a home playoff victory, and maybe that kind of factored in along with the the Jenison home crowd I was talking about earlier. That's a lot of weight on those shoulders, and uh, just unfortunately couldn't get it done. And who would have seen 
TC Central giving up 64 points. Well, yeah, that's the other part of it that I, I can't believe because... It turned into a video game aside game really fast. <laughs> I mean, yes, you give a team short field, you're going to give up a lot of a lot of points because they, you know, They're, simply the make it that, that much easier to score. Too. Yes. Was like kind of Tobin in the same sense. He was scrambling, he was throwing, it was tough to stop. But when you consider that outside that Escanaba game, they allowed like eight points a game to go from giving up eight... And if you figure in Escanaba, okay, maybe they're giving up 10 or 11 a game. To give up 64 uh, is pretty um, incredible and I'm sure disappointing for anybody on Central's defense. Yeah, it's more points than they've given up in their last three games combined, and that's including that loss to Escanaba. Which had previously been the most points they'd given up all season. Mm -hmm. Well, not everybody in our coverage area was eliminated. St. Francis, Kingsley, Onekama, Suns Bay, Brethren, and Johannesburg-Lewiston all move on, perhaps a bit of a smaller and surprise grouping than, I, than what maybe we thought we were going to have after Week 10. Who surprises you most out of those six teams? I'm going to jump out and say brethren. <coughs> I, I mean, that was a tough matchup for them to go on the road at a Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart team that's used to winning in Division Eight football. And they're an eight-man now, and uh, it just it seemed like a tough tough game for a brethren team that came out of maybe not the strongest conference in eight man in the area when you compare the western michigan to the midwest central michigan but credit to the bobcats they did it and uh i won't say it's their first playoff victory in like 20 25 years i looked up when i reported on saturday so congrats to them and hey roll with that house money uh, in that game with onekama in the regionals let's make it interesting for me that i'm not surprised other than like Harrison said, brethren, that any of these teams won. I was maybe a little surprised that Joburg's game was 15-8. to That was perhaps the biggest surprise uh, to me. James, you were in Kingsley for the Stags' 62-22 to win over Tawas. Was there a surprise at all in that game? Maybe not the outcome, but in the manner they went about it? Uh, they just totally dominated that game from the get-go. I mean, Kingsley scored, I don't know, the first five times they got the ball. It was forty to nothing beginning of the second quarter. Yeah, early second early nothing. second quarter was forty nothing. I was gonna stay till halftime. I got out of there after the first quarter. Thank you, Coach War. Yeah, running running clock the entire second half, which was beautiful, uh, you know, for us on deadline, and uh, you know they just they couldn't they couldn't stop them. Tawas couldn't stop them, you know, between the between the numbers or anything. But they also couldn't stop them on the two point conversions. I haven't seen a team this successful on two-point conversions in a long, long time. You know, I, I covered the game against Glen Lake. They didn't, they didn't uh, fail to get a two-point conversion in that game. Uh, in this game against Tawas, they didn't fail to, on a two-point conversion until they had their backups in in the second half. And last week, I believe they also were perfect on two-point conversions as well. Um, so their their efficiency running that running those plays has been impressive. Yeah, I don't want to look too far ahead here, but uh, suddenly that St. Francis-Kingsley game, if we get it in the regional final, looks a little bit more interesting than it did uh, in week four of the regular season. You think Kingsley has improved enough since week four to How could they make, that a, make that a competitive game? I'm, I don't know if it's going to be down to the fourth quarter nail-biting play competitive, but uh, you compare 
where this team is in the first few games of the season to where they are now. I mean, the growth of a full season under the new head coach, and every week they get more confident, more comfortable, more excited. Those guys were having a blast on Friday. I know you just talked to them in the podcast here, but they were so excited to host that playoff game and to dominate like they did. Uh, momentum, you can toss that word around a lot, but they truly have momentum in these playoffs so far. And uh, I expect the score to be a lot closer than it was in week four, no doubt. James, before we move on to Leland soccer, I did want to ask one thing because you you covered Traverse City West uh, for a number of years while Tim Moore was there. You know they were your main focus as far as a football beat. Obviously, you know the big story of the off season was him leaving West, going back to Kingsley. They were one and eight last year. Now they're nine and one. They won their first playoff game since he was there in two thousand five and won a state championship. What is it about Tim Moore? And all the time that you've spent around him, why, why does he? Why is he able to get this type of effort and improvement out of his kids? I don't know. The Kingsley players just just love to, seem to love to play for him. Um, I mean, he's in Kingsley. He's so re- highly regarded and revered by everyone there that I think the players just figured they have to come into practice and they have to work hard for this guy. Um, you know, just because of the status that he has in that town. And the football knowledge he has as well, I mean, that's that it has to be evident in the complete turnaround of that season and the wins and loss column. Uh, what he does is effective, and it's proving effective, and the fans are enjoying it, the players are enjoying it, and I, I, as media, we're enjoying seeing Kingsley have this miracle season, so I can't wait to see how far it goes. And it was just interesting, the second half of that game, um, from a football standpoint, maybe not necessarily all that interesting because, you know, you had a bunch of your JV players in there. Um, you know, I'm already starting to write my story and <laughs> stuff in the second half. But, uh, you know, he had all these JV and freshman players in there. Their, their jerseys didn't even match because they didn't have varsity jerseys for them and stuff. But he's coaching those guys in the second half of a game. It's a complete blowout, just like he coached the, the other guys in the first half. You know, if somebody messed up, he was on them. You know, and players are coming off the field. He's you know patting them on the helmet, uh, all this stuff. And, and you wouldn't have known that it was a forty-something point lead at that point. I mean, he was just still doing everything the same as he was on the first drive of the game. Shifting to the pitch, Leland will play in the Division Four state semifinal Wednesday against Kalamazoo Hackett. Last Thursday, they defeated Muskegon West Michigan Christian, the number one ranked team in Division Four in through overtime and eventually penalty kicks winning that game one to zero the pks were three to two uh, nick saffle kicking the game winning pk which he said he knew he was going to make it the second he stepped up there so dang kudos for that type of confidence and that type of situation um so wednesday kalamazoo hackett you know it's it's always hard you get to these situations because you don't really know a lot about the other team because they haven't been around here but record wise leland has a much better record than kalamazoo hackett is this i mean and obviously west michigan christian was ranked number one so theoretically hackett not as good but what we do know is hackett is ranked number three yeah so i mean really when you get down to it what's the difference yeah record wise there's a difference but in talent and skill you're looking at pretty much another even matchup, which is exactly what was the case in that regional Thursday. Those guys had shots on goal, but both goalies had amazing games, and it, shots were few and far between when they could get them. So it went to a shootout, and that's how we settled the winner there. 
I, I have a feeling these teams are going to be just as even. I talked to Kobe after the game on Thursday. Kobe Lund. Kobe Lund, your guest from a few weeks ago. And, and I noticed, you know, the guys were celebrating. It was their first regional in 12 years, so that group had never won a regional. Nick told me his brother won one in 2012, so that was kind of fun for him now to do this, like his brother had that he saw. But I kind of looked at Kobe the whole time, and I, I told him afterwards, I'm like, you, you, unlike everybody else, you seem to have that look in your face like there's unfinished business. You're happy to get the regional, but, you know, there's still two more games to go, and that's exactly what he said, you know. We did something really remarkable here by knocking off Western Michigan Christian. We hadn't beat them in the playoffs. We finally got that monkey off our back, but we have a regional title. We don't have a state title. There's still two more of those to go. So if he's the one leading them up on the field on Wednesday, uh, I know they're going to be focused on the task at hand, which is getting two more victories over two more tough teams. So what do they need to do to not only win that game against Hackett, but to do so without having to go to overtime and face the uncertainty of penalty kicks? Well, they'll be without Michael Roberts, too. He got a red card in that regional final, and he was one of their top scorers in the playoffs. I've been to other playoff games. So, I mean, they're deep. They have a lot of guys that can score. Um, so they'll find a way around it, but it's certainly an adjustment. Uh, they need to they need to keep finding those looks. I mean, that's the game of soccer. It's a bounce, a certain a free kick, a whistle, something goes your way, and you can get it at the right angle at the right time. Maybe it's the wind on their side of the field. Like who really knows? But uh, they need to set themselves up for those opportunities. And uh, you know, do you want to try to avoid a shootout? But maybe after a while, those teams just kind of shrug their shoulders and like, well, this is going to a shootout, and whoever gets more PKs is going to be the one going to Saturday's final. And they probably got to like their chances going into a, into a shootout with um, with Mosqueda and Gold too. I mean, he. He stepped up in that shootout as well. Yeah, that was one of the more interesting things from that game, I think, is that Gavin Miller mind, the whole game. minded the net the entire game, you know, the shutout, all 100 minutes through the overtimes, and then come shootout, he goes to Coach Joe Berta and says, hey, mm-hmm. Andy Mosqueda is more confident in PK situations. I know I just, you know, pitched a shutout against the number one team in the state, but I think he should be in goal during penalty kicks, what does that say about... And he stopped two. He one one off yeah, the crossbar right, right. now, and he stopped two. So West Michigan Christian made two of the five, and he stopped two of the other five. So, I mean, that's in a shootout, that's tough to do, especially against the top-ranked team in the state. Yeah, James, what does that say about you know the mentality and selflessness of the team, but also <laughs> the incredible amount of depth that they seem to have, and you know, in the case of Michael Roberts, uh, perhaps being able to escape uh, despite being down a man so to speak yeah I think that I think that'll definitely help going into that um you know like they have they have to fill that hole of Roberts not being in the the lineup for this game you know if they get by this game on Wednesday then then they get him back and they get another another boost for that final on Saturday um so I mean that would just be another thing in their favor for Saturday if they get that far um you know with the with the two goaltenders you know they go into if they go to another shootout, I don't think they're worried. You know, I mean, even Duck Rapids in their game, um, when Ludington got that penalty kick, like with under a minute to go, um, the whole Elk Rapids sideline was just like, Ethan's got this. Ethan's got this. We're good. And, uh, you know, that, that Ludington player went up there and he just ripped a shot. And uh, Pike guessed the right way, and the guy still got it. Yeah. I mean, he, he ripped it, and he ripped it just inside the – just inside the post. I mean, it was a, a pretty perfect shot. Add um, that to another list of heartbreaking regional losses for Elk Rapids soccer, both boys and girls. <laughs> it's just getting tough to watch them both have to settle for these unfortunate circumstances year after year. Yeah, Elk Rapids will be pretty good, though, I think, for a while. They're set up to be 
to be pretty good. I mean, they were a fairly young team this year, and they got a lot of guys coming back. I mean, they'll miss Ethan Pike and a few other pieces there, but uh, but they've got some really good depth. Um, you know, the the Travis kid is a freshman, and he looked like he belonged there with everybody else in that uh, regional final game there. All right, I'm going to just run through some cross-country regional results real quick before we get to the latest rendition of the Get Around Hall of Fame. A couple of the highlights being Traverse City Central girls and Traverse City St. Francis girls both won regional titles on Saturday. For Central, it becomes their 23rd consecutive state finals uh, where they've captured 18 top 10 finishes and 11 top fours. Central coach Lisa Taylor was pretty stoked about that and thinks the Trojans you know, should definitely have a top five finish this year. Uh, St. Francis, they won their fourth straight regional uh, for the girls and, and uh, also a, a first for the boys since they uh, moved up to Division Three. Uh, that was their first and best uh, runner-up finish at the regionals as well. On the girls' side, the Gladiators' Libby Gorman did win the individual title too, a uh, time of 1921.25. Uh, four glads in the top 15. And then in Division Four, Lake Leelanau St. Mary boys, Frankfurt girls, and East Jordan's boys and girls all won Division Four regional championships Saturday. Uh, be on the lookout. We'll try to put a list together of all the area competitors uh, going to the state finals uh, later this week. Uh, you'll be able to find that at recordeagle.com or in the print edition. There's way more there than I was just able to get into uh, now. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head the total number of runners, but it's a pretty, it's a lot of people it's a pretty significant list. But that's a big stadium to hold them all. So It's true. I think I mentioned on the podcast last year, something about racing at MIS. You know, Those stands aren't filled because there's not 80,000 people there to see a NASCAR race, but that big environment, it just kind of lends itself to how important that day is and that race is. So... Good luck to everybody down there, and uh, hopefully we have some good news to report afterwards. Yeah, and, uh, and all, all week this week we're going to have uh, some augment our coverage with uh, we've lined up a whole bunch of uh, area cross-country coaches to c- come and write columns for us each day leading up to the uh, cross-country state finals this weekend. Um, so we're going to be having Lisa Taylor, Julie Duffing, Aza Kelly, uh, Diane Goss, Nick Papes, all good at uh, write some columns for us and, uh, and kind of give their insight into the cross-country and their teams and, and what goes into making a, a state-qualifying team. All right, it's that time, gentlemen, for the Get Around Hall of Fame. I know we all have a few candidates on our minds. I'm still kind of going back and forth between Ooh, a couple. Last minute, huh? But I, I, you got a coin? Well, not last minute. It's just I can't. It's just a tough call. So, Harrison, I know you've already got your nominees. Position. Your position, yeah, <clears throat> lined up. So, hey, who have you the, got? The Leland goaltender in the regional final victory, because there were two, but it was one game at goalie. So, let's put them both up there. we got to combine their names, whatever we got to do. Gavin Miller, Andy Mosqueda, uh, we mentioned earlier, their heroics, Miller, uh, pitching a shout-out in 100 minutes against the number-one-ranked team, and Mosqueda making two saves to help them win that shootout. So uh, they are my pick for the get-around athletes of the week. James? I'm going to go with also Leland <laughs> and, and take Nick Saffle, who scored the, the game-winning PK goal in that game. Just coming up huge in a, in a big situation, and like you said, he came up there uber-confident that I'm just going to salt this away, and... And that's exactly what he did. 
Man, James, you just made you just made Brett, this. Who else from Leland are you, you going to nominate? <laughs> you guys just made this so much more difficult for me because I thought for sure you were going to take at least one of the other people on this on on my short list here, and now I've got like three that I can't decide between. Um, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna put Traverse City Central cross country freshman, and not the one if you're familiar with Central cross-country, not the one you're thinking of, uh, and I'm going to put up Addison Swanson uh, because she may have only had the sixth fastest time for the Trojans on Saturday at their regional, but after tying 55-55 through their first five counters with Bay City Western, it was Swanson's time, which was a personal best in the sixth spot that earned the Trojans that regional championship, and not only did she do that, but Looking at the rest of the equation of that tiebreaker, Bay City Western's sixth runner finished directly behind Swanson in that race. So I'm going to give a ton of credit to her for being ready, even though maybe she wasn't expecting her time to count towards central score. Uh, She was ready, and she put forward a performance uh, that was necessary for victory. Uh, Congratulations uh, on that. And to central, that's that's a pretty cool deal. And that is my nominee for this week's Get Around Hall of Fame. That's why you have those extra runners. You never know when you're going to need them, either because of injury or illness or tiebreaker. That's why they're there, and she came in clutch. All right, James, I'll let you vote first. Can we just put all three Leland people in? <laughs> we just mash them into one one group nominee, a, a three-person nominee instead of a two? I don't run this podcast. I don't know why you're looking at me. I can't flip. See, I, I felt like you. Can we you, call Brendan you, and he. You, you actually, you know, by putting another Leland person up, you hurt your own. I know. Cause I know. I made bit. it harder. Uh, yeah, that is a, this is a tough. We call, can't. Man. We can't throw all these. I mean, what if they win a state title and then we don't have anybody to throw in the Get Around Hall of Fame? True. So we should say we should save one of the Leland players. At least one. At least one. Uh, that sounds kind of shady. Rewarding them by the week, not by the week to come. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kobe, I'm going. My vote's the goalies. So I, I Gavin saw Mil- that game. Gavin Miller was up for it once already. Kobe Lund is an inductee this year. A lot of Leland soccer and well deserved. But that's true. Okay, that's James. Good. All right, I'll go with the goalies. I I just think that's a pretty uh, rare thing. Yeah, for a guy just to to step up and say, I think that this guy is better suited for this situation in this scenario to help us out in this, even though I just pitched a shutout for 100 minutes. All right, well, I'm going to go before Harrison, and I'm going to select my, select my own. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to select my own, Addison Swanson, play to Harrison's cross-country heartstrings a little bit. All right, so Brett's going with the cross-country runner, uh, but guys, I mean, this is exactly got out of Mighty Ducks. You know, we've got two goalies. Both are good at what they do, and they play the situation. Goldberg plays the whole Team USA final, but when they go to a shootout, it's Julie the Cat Gaffney. So that's what happened with Leland Comets. They played the Mighty Ducks 2 card, and it worked out for them. So goalies all the way. All right, congratulations, Gavin Miller, Andy Mosqueda. You are the latest in Trinese into the Get Around Hall of Fame, the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. And are we surprised that Harrison managed to get a Mighty Ducks record? And I just thought of it. We shouldn't be. I, I mean, just the only really thing not. we should be surprised by is that you didn't manage to get one on Miracle. I mean, they play one goalie. In not on, we're not done yet. <laughs> yeah, are you gonna buy Miracle? 
All right, Harrison has to get on the road. We need to get the trifecta done, so we're going to run through this real quick. Uh, but last week in Simpsonville, South Carolina, a town of fewer than 25,000 people, the local KC Mart printed the winning Mega Millions ticket, which yielded a gross pot of $1.537 billion. And I bought tickets. I think I won $4. Harrison, did you buy a ticket? No. No? James, did you buy a ticket? Yeah, we bought a couple tickets. Did you win anything? No. Oh, not even 4 bucks, huh? All right. What did you do with the $4? I haven't even cashed the ticket in yet. Oh, he's thinking about <laughs> it's it. It's in my wallet. New diapers, maybe? I'm, I'm afraid that if I go cash my winnings that I'm going to become like a, a target or something of lottery fraud. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised we haven't reported you as a local winner yet. Uh, but kind of in the in the lead up to that, everybody was wondering, you know, what do you do with that money? If Harrison, if, if you had won $1.537 billion and... You know, keep in mind that about six hundred million of that, at least, probably has to go to the federal government. What sports franchise would you purchase? I mean, obviously, we got to be smart about this. As much as I want to buy the Detroit Pistons, I don't know if they're really worth all that money, <laughs> uh, especially the investment, because nobody goes to Little Caesars Arena to watch those games until they actually give fans a reason to go. I mean, the team's kind of good this year so far, but. Uh, prices are just astronomical you know i'm even going to go outside of the box i'm going to say maybe the best investment for that money is to go into one of those overseas uh soccer clubs mm. you know they i mean they're they're super popular over there and they're always full good or bad so maybe now this isn't this i'm trying not to make this a joke but i heard leicester city might be in need of a new owner yeah i mean that was kind of what stood out to me if you want to whatever one i don't even really know chelsea Manchester United, there's, there's the clubs over there. Uh, I think investing in one of those would probably pay Le- back. LeBron's uh, done it. Pretty good. Man U, I think, right? LeBron, Man, Man U? I don't know. I heard LeBron Man U is to, Manchester United, right? I believe so, okay. yes. I don't, yeah, I don't know soccer either. So well, LeBron just... also wants to reboot Friday the 13th movie franchise, so he's getting his hands, you know, everywhere that he thinks he can make money. But I'm, I'm going to go with the, uh, the soccer club. I was thinking maybe an NFL team, but... I, yeah, I, I think the money might be most uh, best invested into a soccer franchise. James? I, I'm going to try to not say a Detroit team because that, that would just be... A homerism? Yeah. So I'm trying to think of something. At first I was trying to think of some place with nice weather. By, by, by like, you know... Well, you don't have to live there. Well, no, but if I, if I owned a, a professional sports franchise, I would want to be at least minimally involved in... You gonna be courtside like Mark Cuban? Yeah, maybe buy the Lakers. Sick courtside with all the celebrities. I don't know if there's enough money to to buy the Lakers. We were kind of talking about this a little before. One point five three bills. I feel like I feel like the Lakers, the Yankees, the Cowboys, like those. Red Sox. This might not have been enough money if those owners had been willing. True. True. Anyway, if if for the NFL, I'd go New Orleans Saints. Be, I like cool I like New Orleans. And then Drew Brees retires. I like the right city. I like the city. Is Maybe you should wait for Drew Brees, Brees to retire. The value goes yeah. down a little bit. It is low, a great yeah. city, though. I went there a couple years ago. New Orleans is so much fun. Mm-hmm. So way better than Las Vegas, if you ask me. Well, since I can't buy my favorite team, you can. Well, I already have <laughs> one share of stock, but it's worthless. Other than that's not what I my dad it. says. Other than to say I have it. You know, I was kind of thinking about this, and maybe this is a total cop-out on the question, 
But rather than actually buying the team, I think I would just buy box seats, season tickets at a bunch of different stadiums. And perhaps yeah. perhaps a minority stake in the team. The new, it could be the New Orleans man. Yeah, because I don't... I don't want to. I don't want to uh, necessarily be involved in the day to day operations. I just want to have access to. The That's why you hire someone to do that for you. Well, right, but I can keep a lot more of the money, and still have access to the building whenever I want, <laughs> for uh, for a lot less. And uh, you know, the just, question just on our sheet, James, is which franchise yeah. would you buy with that money, Brett? Just I yeah, said, give us a I franchise. Said, I said my own question. I said my I said minority owner. Okay, I guess I slid in the last category, so we'll let you slide here. Uh-huh. All right, but yeah, and because it wouldn't afford it, I would probably go with the Lakers minority owner there somehow. All right. Well, Squeeze if you guys want to trade uh, tickets, Lakers and uh, my my European soccer franchise would more than welcome to do so. When we win the Mega Millions, which will <laughs> never ever happen. That's what the whoever this person was in Simpsonville, South Carolina said. Yeah, but were they on the Get Around podcast? They should be. Let's call them. Maybe. All right, that has that has been episode fifty-five of the Get Around podcast, brought to you by Jimmy John's. Two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. Can we all do our best Marv Albert impressions to close out the show? No, I'm not doing that. You want to do one? I don't think I could do one. A spectacular move by Danny Passano and the St. Francis Gladiators advance to the district final <laughs> where they will meet Calumet next week on TNT. I don't, I don't even know why I have to try. That was pretty solid. That was uh, not bad, yeah. I just remember him always doing basketball and he always would say, you know, somebody would, he throws it down with authority. Oh, oh, with authority. Yeah. Dude, he, yeah. Yeah, you kind of get a little Bill Walton there too. <laughs> I don't know that I want to sound like Bill Walton. All right, well, make sure uh, you interact with us on this podcast. Tweet us, uh, like us on Facebook. Yeah, maybe TCRE's, we can get you fed. <laughs> maybe we can get you fed at TCRE Sports on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, I'm at BA Sports Writer James at James Cook 14 and Harrison at Harrison BB. Yeah, maybe we can get you fed, get you those Jimmy John sandwiches for interacting with the podcast. Maybe we can introduce you to Marv Albert. Maybe we can. I heard he works at 104.5 Bob FM. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Have a good one.